as I was going flying into Mozambique, uh, you go to South Africa first and then you hop up into Mozambique from there. But on one of those customs forms, it says profession. And I've been out of the military for like two months. And I remember seeing that profession there and uh, I wrote writer. And I was like, boom, that's what Stephen Pressfield's talking about. Turning pro, flip that switch, not hedging your bets, going all in. Yeah, good to have contingency plans, but that's not the same as uh, not doing what you want to do because you might fail. Um, you, for me, I had to go all in. I had this base of reading. I had this base of studying warfare. I had this base of real world experience, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. All right, I'm really excited today because we have one of our favorite guests and authors, Jack Carr, coming onto the podcast. Uh, if you don't know Jack, you're living under a rock, okay? This guy's name is everywhere right now. He's got massive bestsellers. His last book, Savage Son, is sold out everywhere. You need to check out his trilogy of books. He's working on his fourth, and today he talks about his story. He talks about his writing tactics and how someone can pursue their dreams and be a great leader. So this podcast really spoke to me. Um, every time I talk to him, I'm fired up. Every time I talk to him, I'm humbled. He's a great guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Carr. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on with us. I know you're a busy guy. I know you have a ton going on. And like we were talking before we started, it's just been awesome to watch your journey from, uh, from especially from the beginning to, to now. It's just your hard work is just proving itself to pay off. It's just been awesome. It's crazy. And you guys are a huge part of that journey. I mean, every little thing that I do, I try to do it, you know, at the, at the next level. And so that included obviously what we've done three times now for yeah. the, uh, for the video trailers and nobody out there even comes close. Like no other author or book has anything even close to resembling what, uh, what you guys managed to pull off with those video trailers. So it's just, uh, it's so cool. I sincerely appreciate it. Well, well, I appreciate that. That means a lot coming to you. I think one of the coolest things on that point is since we met, it's, it's been a few years now, you know, everything that you've, envisioned and, and you've discussed even behind the scenes when we were just chatting from getting the book picked up to um, being on some of the huge shows that you've been on to getting picked up for a series have come to fruition. How do you put those actions in place and, and what is it that gives you that edge, do you think? I, I'm not exactly sure, but I, one thing I do know is that if people are looking for that opportunity or they they stumble into something or something presents itself, you have to be ready to take advantage of that opportunity or just be able to say yes. And then to actually have uh, a product, an idea, uh, something that, uh, that lives up to those expectations or that uh, like for the book, I got that door cracked open to Simon and Schuster and I could have had just uh, something horrible to hand them, or I could have had nothing at all. I could have just been talking about maybe someday I'll write this. Oh, if only I could get a break or gosh, I would love to write something and then get it to a publisher. Well, you know what? All that time doing that has to be spent on doing the job 
getting that done so that when that door does crack a tiny bit, bam, you can just kick it in or breach it the rest of the way or whatever you're going to do and, uh, and have that thing that's ready to go. So I think it's all about just not wasting that time thinking about or just dreaming about what you're going to do in the future. But yeah, having that dream, having that vision, but then actually doing it and stop studying it, how to do it or worried about uh, how to do it or worried about how you're going to get that break or worried about who you know or don't know. No, you just have to take all, you got to just put all that aside and actually do the work. So I think that's the biggest part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Because there's things that you've done that could be looked at as obstacles to others, but you've embraced. One of the cool things is for those who haven't read your books, um, there's, there's sections where there's blackouts. And, and it's DOD has blacked it out and you've embraced that and made it something really cool. How, can you tell me about what, finding that balance and how you come, came up with that and then continuing on finding the balance between real world and, and knowing that you're going to have to jump through some, some red tape? Yeah. So just being so close to, uh, all the, the no easy day controversy and the bin Laden raid and all that stuff when that book came out and how it didn't go through the review process and, um, you know, just being so close to that, even though mine was fiction, I knew I wanted to submit it just to make sure because the character is so closely tied to my background um, that, that I just wanted to make sure. And so I submitted it and it took 45 days for them to get back to me, which was fantastic because they're supposed to take 30. And I thought that's just amazing. Two weeks late. Wow. Amazing. Um, so I did it. So they took out nine sentences out of that first one. And I thought, okay, kind of a pain because it's none of this is classified. You can find it right here on a government website. Uh, and but then I thought, you know, instead, I want to. How do I turn? How do I make this into a positive? How do I turn this uh, into something that uh, enhances the book rather than detracts from it? Although I do frame it as, hey, you know, it's not really secret. It's just uh, someone with a black pen that's getting a little overly zealous in one of those offices back there at the Pentagon and just blacking things out. But the second one, they took seven months and they took out 54, it was 54 um, passages. And I, I appealed that one. So the lawyers went and they've tied every single redaction to a publicly available government document. And it's fantastic. The work they did was absolutely incredible. I don't know how they found all this stuff because some of them were a bit obscure. Uh, and then some of them are, are right there in your face, like just go usnavy.mil and it pops up and like, oh, look at that picture right there. Yeah. Why did they block it out in the book? Um, and, and, that, and that's a, a real case, actually. Um, and a 137 of those on appeal. And it took a lot of time. So then I thought, okay, well, why don't we take those out of the paperback so that people have a reason to get that paperback and compare it to the hardback. So it's like something fun and interactive for them to do to see, hey, why did the government want to take this out here? And then here they, after an appeal, and it goes up a couple notches in the chain of command, uh, then it's they, then they could put it in this one. So uh, just trying to turn, take those things and and turn them into into positives and kind of share the journey. A lot of it is is sharing the journey because back when I grew up, an author couldn't share a journey. They do an interview here, maybe there, that's it. But now with social media and everything else, you can be very transparent, which is great. And it's it's tough and it's time consuming. We can talk about that 
as well as far as places to invest your your time, energy, effort, resources. But uh, but you can share that journey with people, and I thought that uh, this would be a way to do that. Talk about that those redactions, uh, how I then tried to turn them into into positive. So each of the first three books have redactions, and this third one though they wouldn't let me appeal it. We we did the same thing with the attorneys, tied it to all to publicly available government documents. And they wrote a letter back saying they weren't, wouldn't let me appeal, even though we met all timelines, everything by the book. And so going forward, I'm going to take that as them telling me, hey, stop wasting taxpayer yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going to go with. Man, I, I think it's cool that, that you've been able to do that. I also, I, I mean, I was looking through uh, just some stuff when we were talking about the podcast. I was looking through some stuff and, and old content and interactions that other people have had um, with your books and just searching hashtags and just the opening experience of a book when you send it out and I didn't even know this until we were on the last shoot. I didn't realize that you were, you were really the brain master behind that kind of designing these things and creating these experiences. It's really incredible. The type of community that you've created in the, in the, um, the ability for people to get involved with, with the experience of opening one of the books and, and having the cards in there and having the breakdowns, uh, is, are these things that you've studied in different industries or is this just stuff that popped in your mind? How do you come up with those types of things? Yeah. So a lot of it comes from different industries. And as I was getting out of the military, it was good to have backup plans. Like I always knew I wanted to be a SEAL and then wanted to write fiction in this genre, but it's also good to have some contingency plans here and there. So uh, I was reading a lot of those books on, on business, on uh, like the good to great over here, uh, drive, start with why uh, David and Goliath, uh, the creator's code, like all these books like that, that people were kind of reading and talking about cocktail party stuff, like, you know, that, right. that sort of thing. Uh, but they're interesting to me, particularly the Malcolm Gladwell one and some of those, uh, some of those other ones um, that, uh, that were popular for a while, kind of in that, not really self-help, but I guess it maybe falls into there, but leadership, business type stuff. Um, and then I'm studying, I'm reading those and looking at some of the the examples that they give in a lot of those books is usually they talk about some sort of a theory and then they give a case study with either like going all the way back to like Ford and then talking maybe about Apple or about, you know, whatever else. And things. so you can, you can just hear the, you can hear the idea kind of conceptualize it, but then you can tie it back to something tangible that, you know, like the car in your driveway or the computer that you use or, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so I was reading a lot of those and then I have a great friend, Garrett, who you met, who does, uh, you know, designs all that, that sort of thing. And, and we got to talking about the second book about true believer and about doing things that would, allow people to share with their audiences would allow people to, to share an experience of getting a book, just like you can experience getting your iPhone. Like if you got an iPhone in a little manila envelope that was like padded from the post office for whatever, it's the same product, but it's in a manila envelope. It's not the same when you open it. You don't want to share that opening with anybody. You just want right. to get your, your iPhone. But when you get the actual iPhone, like that thing is well thought out. You probably know about Steve Jobs, like, they didn't get a computer out on time because the white of the box was like whitish gray, like one shade off. And I was probably, that was from one of those books that I just mentioned. Um, but it was like one shade off. Like most people wouldn't even tell, but it wasn't 
perfect. It wasn't his vision. And uh, he wanted people to have the best possible experience in opening that. Even though it's going to be the same thing inside, just the way that box is done, how you open it up, that's an experience for people. So we took things from like from, from Red Bull launching new, uh, new product. Um, I was thinking about the Apple example because it's been used so much and it was in all these books that I read and I use all those type of products too. They got me. Yeah. Um, and just so thinking about how those companies did it and then thinking about publishing and how I hadn't really seen, and I've been studying publishing for a long time. I've been a, a reader my entire life. I'm reading in the genre, knew where I was going. So it's not just something I started studying one day when I woke up and said, ah, can you make money at this or something like that? Right. Like I spent my whole life being a SEAL and doing this. So I thought in publishing, I've never seen anyone do something like that and interact with people in a way that, uh, that's transparent and then allows them to share this experience through the new media. So people can get this, whether they have 10 followers, one follower or 28 million followers, and then they can open this thing and share that experience with people. So, uh, I try to do something a little, a little different, keep things moving forward. Just like I try to like move the genre forward. That's the goal. Even if it's just by degree right. as I write, well, same thing with the business side of it. I don't want to just sit there and wait for other people to do things and then complain that, oh, my publicist didn't do this or my team didn't do this or no, uh, anything from, from it's up to me to kind of prove myself. Like they invested in me, they gave me this shot and I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to run with it the best I possibly can. And uh, so a lot of that with the book opening was, was from those other companies and other industries that I've seen it done. And I just kind of took that and tried to apply it to publishing. It's been cool to to watch you apply all of those different serrations to the edge, right? Like that makes you, you know, when you get, when you're really good at something, um, there's a lot of, it, the playing field gets pretty even and then you start adding these edges and, and, and the experience, the, the brand it's, you know, for a guy like me who loves brand, I love brand. I love storytelling. So it's just it's interesting. Good. Like that's the other part of it. Like it's super interesting to me um, because it's something new. It's something yeah. I didn't study in the teams. I didn't study any of that stuff. And even when I was studying publishing, like I was reading books, but I wasn't thinking about the business side of it. I right. just knew that the guys wrote books and then it went on the New York times list. Like that's, so that was my expectation. I'd write a book and then it would go on the New York times list. But I didn't realize that there was a whole business behind this. And there were these publicists and marketing teams at, at these big publishing houses that sometimes did a lot for someone and sometimes didn't do anything for someone else because they have to allocate time, energy, resources as well. So they can get kind of a payoff, the best bang for their return on investment on all that, those sorts of things. So um, sorry to interrupt you. No, but, uh, no. I'm going to send you book four because book four, I have a great idea for the box that I won't, don't want to give up right now. But it's uh, I, I had it just two days ago, which is why I'm so excited about it. So I've got the idea in my head for how to switch it up. Nice. This, this fourth one, so people will be like, "What?" And so. that you know what I love about that is that it continues the the compounding interest. You keep building on it and building on it and building on it. It gets cooler and cooler. And one of the things that I think um, that that you can tell from your past experience is 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 your ability to work in a team and collaborate and be an asset. And and I think that a lot of people, especially artists. Um, it's hard sometimes to be an asset. It's it's very easy to fall in love with this one thing and not be able to collaborate. And um, it, it's clear that you're able to collaborate. And, and one of those things is with your with the um, production, right? Like you're now going into series mode, your, your, your product, your baby. How has that been? How has that been? Have you had a chance to collaborate at all and watch it come to fruition? What is that like? Yeah, so I got the initial call on that. 
so it, it was optioned before for a, a film or a series before the first book even came out. So before uh, March of 2018. Um, but this last December, I got the call about being involved in that. And usually they like to just get rid of the author right away once right. they they own that option or whatever and exercise that option and they're going to put together the writing team and the production people and like scouting teams and like all the rest of it and they just want the author to go away because most people's experience in hollywood is that if they have the author involved uh he or she is just raising their hand saying like oh you you ruined my vision that's not how this is supposed to go and for me i've been studying this uh and when i say i was studying uh writing and all that i was also studying books that were movies that were adapted from books like first blood and uh, so I always think back to that one when it comes to two separate projects that are uh, entirely different from one another. I mean, the same themes and all that sort of thing, but they're both fantastic. A lot of times people say, oh, the book was better, so much better than the movie. They ruined it or or the movie just has the same name. It's a great movie, but it has nothing to do with the book or whatever. So in my mind, when they first reached out because Chris Pratt wanted me to be involved and, and to all the rest of the people underneath are like, oh. We have to have this guy involved like so we had the initial uh call and i think i you know i explained this whole background and talked about these different movies and book adaptations and um how i could have i had no problem separating these into two separate projects like chris wants to keep the theme of the book obviously but also that grittiness that authenticity and that's why he wants me involved in it because hollywood can sometimes do a lot of hollywood type things, especially when you're dealing with like military and probably law enforcement as well, but particularly special operations. Um, and he wanted me to be a part of it. So I think I put them at ease by talking about that, that history that I knew so well, and then talking about how I can look at this as two separate projects, but just keeping that same, that theme, that authenticity, that realism, that grittiness, uh, and keeping that going forward, but having no problem with them doing what they need to do and understanding that when you tell a story visually, it's different than telling it as you're writing out chapter after chapter after chapter. Could totally different mediums, obviously. And it's fascinating to me. So for that first one, that first series, actually that first script for the pilot, um, that's what they walk in then to these other, when you see that there was a bidding war out there and all that sort of thing that was at, in the news, if you read anything about it, yeah. um, they take that. So Chris takes that pilot script and there's, uh, I think it's going to be eight episodes, but eight to 10, somewhere in there. So he takes that along with the director, Antoine Fuqua, and then the showrunner slash uh, screenwriter uh, and they all three of those guys and that pilot go then to Amazon, go then to Apple, go to Disney, go to Showtime, whatever, all the Netflix, all that. And, uh, and that's what they, what they talk about. They talk about that, that uh, pilot and they talk about that vision for the next episodes and kind of that's how it goes. And then probably the lawyers and everybody get involved from there. But uh, uh, that first script, I got to be intimately involved with creating that pilot episode and it is awesome. It is awesome. Different than the book, but so cool. And they've changed it to, they wanted to make it kind of a psychological thriller rather than just like a political action type show. And I think that's such a great way to go. I absolutely am thrilled with how they're doing it because it makes the protagonist, James Reese, makes him an unreliable storyteller. So it goes more into the, the drugs that the government gives him, uh, traumatic brain injury, uh, PTSD, and all those things kind of come together and making him making the the person that's watching not be able to trust his memories so it's really cool the way they're they're taking it and of course that could all change i'm sure yeah, yeah. Can go through many iterations between now and the start of filming but um and then to answer your real question was uh so now i'm advising on the rest of the scripts 
And because of COVID, they have the writer's room together in LA, but it's really via Zoom. So they're doing it via Zoom. And then they call me in to talk to ask questions. Uh, then they'll send me those other episodes. And then I'll go through with the red pen and do my thing and send it back. And then we go back and forth from there. That's 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 pretty awesome, man. I mean, I know like past career, you do something and you see it on the news, right? And you're with your team and uh, you did it with your team or, or, or under the flag. And now you do something like this and you're sitting back with your family and you're hearing about Pratt and world like influencers of the world, entertainers of the world. Has, has that is that are you just in it right now and not really processed it like that? Or is it something that just momentum continues to push? Yeah, I think that'd be fair to say. Um, so I'm in a full on sprint all the time. Like I was just downstairs locked in the guest room working on, on book four. My alarm went off on my phone five minutes before this and I sprinted up here yeah. to get everything, everything ready. Um, and that's how almost every day is. It's just crazy. It's just insane. Um, so also what plays into it is that I expected, I shouldn't say expected, maybe that's the wrong word, but my vision from this thing from the beginning was for Chris practice star. For Anton Fuqua to direct and, you know, for it to be either a movie or well, maybe an Amazon series would be best. But out of all those streaming services, Amazon would be the best one. So for me, it's, it's always been a part of it. Just like, of course, it's going to be Simon & Schuster. Of course, my editor is going to be Emily Bessler, who was the editor for Vince Flynn and, and Brad Thor. Like that, that's... The, there wasn't any other way really. So I, that, that's all the thought I gave to that though. Same thing with the movie and, and, uh, and a series, like that's what I thought of. And so now that it's happening, I'm still in this full on sprint, just like I have been for what seems like my entire life. Uh, so I haven't picked my head up really to take a breath yet because uh, one being so busy and two uh, expecting those things to happen, but expecting is the wrong word, but you know, that was yeah. it's just been part of my vision. Like that's like, that's, that's how I wanted it to go. And that's what I was working towards. And that's why I was putting in all this time, energy and effort. And so when they happen, it's, uh, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome, but it's not like I was just sleeping. And then all of a sudden I got up one day and I got a phone call and they said, Hey, how would you like to, to write a book? That would be a movie. I'm going to make you a star son. Like, right. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> I was walking through Albertsons and they're like, Oh, you could be a model, you know, like, like come with me. Like, no, <laughs> like that's not how it, how it worked out. So it wasn't like a, a shocker. And from the outside, I can see it like looking like an overnight success, but really, you know, I started reading at a very early age in the fifth grade. I was reading Hunt for Red October and knew that I would one day write in this genre. Uh, never missed anything from Nelson DeMille, from David Morrell, from AJ Quinnell, JC Pollock, Mark Olden, uh, Stephen Hunter, all these guys that I read growing up um, and applied that to this writing. They were my professors in the art of storytelling and then terrorism and insurgencies and counterinsurgencies and then doing the job downrange and putting that all together as I started writing, like, I guess that's an overnight success, but it's really almost 40 years. Yeah, no, that, you know, it's, it's, it, it is funny how, how, uh, you know, people see in, in perceptions are different for everybody because they could see this and they could identify it as that. But for you, it's been a way of life. Right. And one of the things that's missing today, you know, a lot of young folks, um, especially people that are listening to this, you know, where I just heard this statistic, Jim Quick had a book um, and he was saying that in the 1400s, the amount of data that someone took in in a lifetime was what someone takes in today. And, and a lot of us are watching just content and content and video. How would you encourage um, someone who isn't a big reader to start and, and, and what would they get from that? 
Yeah. So it's something I struggle with with my kids because I was read to pretty much every day of my life uh, as a little kid. I still have great memories of my mom reading or my dad reading. Um, and I did that with my kids, like when they were born, like right away, boom, I was right there by the crib, like reading. Uh, and then they got to this certain age and all of a sudden, well, obviously I'm not going to read to them forever. Um, but uh, they got to this age and didn't continue on their own. So it wasn't like that handoff of the torch like it was from my parents to me where all of a sudden then I went to like young adult type reading stuff. And then eventually I looked up at those shelves and was like, okay, I'm ready for what's on my parents' shelves now. Like fifth grade, sixth grade, started taking those off and then building my own library, much of what I still still have behind me here. Um, so it wasn't like that with my kids. So what I'm thinking, I don't know if any of this is, is true, but that audiobooks will probably be their essentially their gateway into to literature and, and into reading. Um, and whether they take that step from audiobooks to reading, I don't know. But because of the way they take in content and because of the way that, well, podcasts are so popular because it's a, it's a conversation and you're part of that um, and being drawn to their Instagram and Snapchats in particular for the, the people that are younger, like my kids, um, I think the more natural way for them to become readers is through that audiobook. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm not sure because they haven't taken that step yet as much as I encourage it. Right. Uh, they haven't taken that step and I'm, it, it can't like force it. You can't make, I mean, I, I feel like I can't make them sit there and force them to like something because they're going to not like it if I force it, no matter how good it is, how much they really like it, they're going to tell me they hate it and throw it aside. Um, so it's tough. I mean, it's tough, but for younger people that are into that, I mean, obviously we're getting bombarded with things right and left all day, every day alerts all over the place, all this video content, um, making your own video content to then share as a way to interact with people. But I think the gateway there is going to be the audiobook, and hopefully they fall in love with that and then want to know more or want to, or are curious about, Hey, this person is reading it. This narrator is reading it with his own intonations and, and all the rest. What would it be like if I did this? And then maybe they pick up the book from there, but uh, time will tell. We'll see. It's one I struggle with though. Yeah, no, it's good. And, and so, so another thing that a lot of the listeners here that, you know, they're really interested in high performance and that's why we talk to a lot of successful business folks, entertainers, seals. Can you recommend, and I've heard some of your recommendations on the fiction side. Can you give me a recommendation on, uh, on a leadership book? that uh you would push to someone oh yeah right here boom once an eagle anton meyer and this one right here is my most gifted book um and it's just it's kind of thick so you can yeah. use it as a weapon also if you need to <laughs> a doorstop or something but it's uh it's it's historical fiction but it's really a case study in leadership and so yeah they'll get some history out of it but it follows two guys from before world war one up until vietnam and uh, one of them is given a battlefield, given earns a battlefield commission on the ba in World War One. The other one's always an officer, and he's always like one little. He's like this political animal, and he's one step ahead of this guy that gets the battlefield commission. Um, but it's uh, I used to give it to my my guys in the platoon, uh, and I would write a letter in the beginning that kind of framed it for them, and I finished that letter by saying, "Hey, there's another one at the back, and one at the back of the book is is sealed." And to read the one at the back, they have to first read all this. They have to go through all of this first to get there, get my letter in the back, and then get my take on what they just read. So I don't kind of pollute their reading process right. ahead of time. So, um, so it's really once an eagle. And it's not a how-to book, but it really is a case study in leadership. And it is the, the most valuable of all these, I, these leadership books over here that I, that I have read. Right. Um, this is by far 
the most valuable. That's awesome. I'm putting that one on my list. That's going to take me a while. That one's a thick one. You know what? I don't know the, audio, the audio book would probably take you, I don't know, geez, like a hundred hours. Who knows? It's a thick you, one. You know what though? You even mentioned when you had the sealed one in the back, you, you, even then you're thinking about the experience and making it something that makes impact and enjoyable. So that's, that's really cool. That's, 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 uh, cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and people remembered it, you know, they, they got to take the time, energy and effort to put the, uh, to type those letters out, to sign them, to do all that sort of thing. And I personalize each one, like some, they'd have the main points in there, but then I personalize it to whoever it was going to and uh, shift it up a little bit. So um, it's always, it's a pleasure for me to do that. Be, um, one of the things that I, 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 I've always admired about you and, and you made this when we, when we did a, the, the Eagle beyond piece with you, you, you made this clear. It's like your definition, your definition of success. And it was about your kids and how they turn out. And, um, that really impacted me having young kids and especially being someone who pursues my craft so heavily. And I, sometimes I, I question like, well, you know, I have to balance, uh, my family sacrifices just as much as me to get to where I want to go. But, yeah. you know, people ask me about work-life balance and, and I, I still am developing my thoughts on that. I almost feel like it's a hybrid. It, I don't even know if there's a balance as much as it's one in the same. I'm interested to see your thoughts on work-life balance because you've had two, you know, your past career and even the career you're in, it's, you, you have to be so invested. And so does your family. Can you talk a little bit about that and where, how you find that balance? Yeah. And I think it's something that we're going to continue to, to struggle with. Uh, definitely don't have it figured out in the teams. It was almost easier in the SEAL teams. It was almost easier because your family knows or they should know. You have to talk about it, that that pendulum, as far as family over here, team over here, like that pendulum has to be over here it, because people's lives are depending on the decisions that you're going to make down, not just downrange, but in training too. Uh, and that pendulum has to be here because you owe it to those guys under your command to be solely focused on them and the task at hand. And you owe that to their families, you owe it to the country, you owe it to the mission, um, to the team in general. So uh, as long as your family understands that and gets it, then I think it, that's the way to go. But when you get out of said SEAL teams and the decisions that you make uh, don't necessarily impact their other people's lives as far as life and death. Uh, well, I've noticed that that pendulum, uh, you need to find something that works for your family and works for, for you uh, and as, as artists like that. Cause that creative that can take you take over and it's hard to stop once you're like in the groove and you're going and, and you're, you're into it and you love it and, and all that stuff. You're so passionate about it. I think it can be difficult for, uh, I think these doors are closed over here for your spouse to, uh, to, you know, to, to see that and see you just so invested and so having such a great experience being so passionate about this thing that it's hard for you to then take that and then be so passionate about this over here. And I think that's a big part of it is being able to, to transfer that passion and when you're with said spouse or kids to be fully present. And that's something I need to work on as well, because even as I'm running up here in the back of my head, like I'm thinking about what I was just writing downstairs and I'm like, okay, the conversation needs to go here in that dialogue. I was just writing and then, you know, I need to mention this because later I need to tie it all back in for the readers that are perceptive and leave this other, it's just like a hint, some foreshadowing there or whatever. Um, but, uh, it's, but it's hard to turn that off and you don't really want to turn it off as a creative person because, because you're, because those are the juices they're flowing. Like that's, that's your moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, it's what you love. So it's tough. And I don't think, I, I don't know if I'll ever quite get it down. A lot of it is obviously doing the, you know, 
doing the best you can and figuring out what uh, what your family can can deal with and what works for you guys individually. So I don't think there's necessarily like a uh, you know a life coach that can talk you through something or a, a book to read that you're like, okay, I'm gonna check this, check this, check this. Like we all know we need to be present with the ones that we love. We all know that we uh, can't we we can't solely be focused on work all the time because then we'll pick up our head and our kids will be out of college and be like, where did that where did that go? Yeah. Yeah. So it, but for everybody, it's going to be different for everybody. It's going to be different. Yeah. And, and there's different uh, seasons too. Huh? I mean, it just depends. Yeah. Sometimes you're having this full on sprint. Like right now, uh, it's building this foundation. And I think everybody that does is in some sort of a, uh, whether it's a creative space or not, like you're still building something and you're still building this foundation. You're building this, uh, for me, the, a readership that are gonna then tell a friend and then the next time that friend's gonna get the, the new book that comes out and hopefully they're gonna tell a friend. So then the next one, they get that next one and you just keep building this over time, uh, this this fan base, this readership uh, and you're building, you're building a business. Um, so I don't know what stage you get to when you can kind of pick up your head and be like, <sighs> yeah. So I just not sure. Cause I'm not there yet. We're still in the building at foundation phase. So I'm hoping by the time we get to the third or the fourth or the fifth floor, uh, we're up there. We can take a breath and look out and be like, ah, oh, it's a solid foundation right here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a breath, but I don't know. So it's, it's a tough one. I think everybody's going to struggle with it. And it's not ever something you're like, ah, I've got it. You know? Yeah. It's a, a lot of it's doing the, doing the best you can. Yeah. I hear you. And, and, and a part of that is, is doors do and, 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 you, and, it, and it is part of that drive is having those things. And even what you were talking about, like being completely present, I think that, um, and this is important for us to talk about on our, our, our podcast as well, because like I said, a lot of people are trying to gain from people that do and, and that, that experience a lot. You know, sometimes paralysis by analysis can kick in. And for anyone who's listening to this and you would say, and, and sometimes they might feel like they, they could be powerless over their own life or they don't know how to take that next step. Do you have anything that could enact change in that? So the analysis by paralysis, uh, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a great phrase, but not even on the analysis part. Um, it, that it can be that, but it can also just be, um, before you start, like studying how to do something. So I get these questions all the time about, you know, what books did you read on writing or how did you, uh, how did you read on publishing or how to do this? Uh, and I did read some and uh, I was just taking pictures of them for a, for a book list the other day. So they're, they're out in the other room, but uh, I read all Stephen Pressfield's books on creativity on the war of art, authentic swing, do the work, turning pro. Um, he has a new one out in that, uh, in that series as well. And he, of course, wrote Gates of Fire and Legend of Bagger Vance, the Afghan campaign. We spent the last few days together actually on the range in, in Oregon doing some, uh, some shooting and did some podcasts and got some content and all that. He was a, just a fantastic guy. Amazing guy. Um, I read On Writing by Stephen King. I read The Successful Novelist by David Morrell. Um, and those are really, that was it. I was like, for me, I was like, okay, I've got it. All these guys are saying that you need to do the work and you need to make it as good as you possibly can. And essentially don't get distracted. Don't get off track. Like that's, that's all of that. And so I was like, okay, I got it. Boom. And they're right over here in our other house when we were still living in Coronado. Uh, boom, right there. So as I was typing away, I'd have those guys right there. I'd see it. Um, and right now they're behind me. I might move them out here in front of me actually. And uh, so a lot of people probably, kept reading books on writing, on publishing, on agents, on whatever else, uh, to the point where they never actually did the work that they wanted to do. I'm sure there's probably most people like have done that rather than um, sitting down and doing it. 
um, because they think they can get that one extra thing maybe, or they're going to get that one extra hint or that one, that person's going to tell them that one thing from that next book or that next blog article or whatever else they're, they're reading on how to do something. So for me, it's important to know when to say, okay, I've done enough of this. You know what I need to do? I actually need to do this thing. Like if I want to start a coffee shop, I need to stop researching how to do this and how to build a business and how to do all these things and how to structure everything correctly. You know what? We can fix that stuff. Let's just do this. Let's do it and uh, and make that decision. And what Stephen Pressfield calls, he calls turning pro. And as I was actually flying to Africa after I got out of the military to go to Mozambique to do research for book two, even though I didn't even have a publisher, didn't have an agent, didn't have anything for the first book, I always knew I was going to write two for sure um, because of um, uh, John Grisham wrote A Time to Kill, could never give that book away. And if he had stopped, when, he, when no one was buying his first book, he wouldn't have written The Firm and we wouldn't have The Client and all these other, and The Pelican Brief and one John Grisham book a year. But as I was going flying into Mozambique, uh, you go to South Africa first and then you hop up into Mozambique from there. But on one of those customs forms, it says profession. And I've been out of the military for like two months. And I remember seeing that profession there and uh, I wrote writer. And I was like, boom, that's what Stephen Pressfield's talking about. Turning pro, flip that switch, not hedging your bets, going all in. Yeah, good to have contingency plans, but that's not the same as uh, not doing what you want to do because you might fail. Um, you, for me, I had to go all in. I had this base of reading. I had this base of studying warfare. I had this base of real world experience and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So there's really no excuses in, uh, in my case. Like it was time to get down to business and turn pro, but it's really flipping that switch and a mental thing to decide, Hey, I'm a writer or, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a businessman in this sector right? and just making that decision. Even if you're not there yet, if you're not a published author or whatever, you can still be a writer. Uh, but you can just flipping that switch and making that like, yep. When people ask you, there's no hesitation. What do you do? I'm a writer, you know, now I'm an author. Um, and I think making that distinction in your head, flipping that switch is hugely beneficial. It just frees you up to not say, oh, I wish I could be a writer one day. No, you are. And what does that mean you do? Oh, it means you write. It means you sit down in front of that computer, in front of that typewriter, whatever, and you do the work. That's it. That was awesome. I'm fired up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to go into the fray? The Ironclad team specializes in developing films, online series, and content for the world's greatest brands, organizations, and outlets. Now, we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and most dangerous places on Earth. Go behind the scenes with the world's most cutting-edge filmmakers in Ironclad's new video series, Into the Fray. Each installment takes you on some of the world's most exotic locations to meet adventurers, inventors, warriors, and real-life heroes who've dedicated themselves to forging new paths. We utilize some insane equipment and some insane storytelling tactics to make these things happen and ultimately bring you stories that haven't been told before. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at ThisIsIronclad to make sure that you never miss an episode. And remember, new installments drop every Friday afternoon. Adventure beckons. Will you come? We'll go into our last segment. It's just rapid fire questions. And, and you... you 
I, I've never been, uh, I've never heard you or seen you in a point where you couldn't give an articulate answer really quickly. So uh, that's something I've always. Now been there's really, pressure. On. Now you're really putting <laughs> the pressure on. Though, no? Hey, I will say, like every time, no matter what we've done together, I'm always like, man, just so impressed with your answer. So these, <laughs> these are simple. So, but but I think people get a ton out of this section, and and this is a, this is one of our favorites. It's one of my favorites. Um, so I'll start you off with, um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, that's a good one. See, now I'm thinking about all the pressure that <laughs> you guys put on me. Um, I'm going to go back to Sue Once an Eagle. Uh, so it wasn't that something that somebody told me because I've had been very fortunate to run into people um, throughout my life who have been been mentors and passed on um, their lessons learned uh, so that I could do things better than they were, whether it was in the military or just life in general. Um, but there's a passage in Once an Eagle and it's where the protagonist is talking to his son. His son, I think, is about 10 years old at the time. Um, and he says, hey, it's, uh, it, you can't help what you were born, and you might not have much to say about where you die, but you can and you should live the days in between as a good man. And uh, for me, that one really spoke to me. And it doesn't matter what sector you're in or anything like that. Um, but that really spoke to me about character. People always go to the, uh, you know, what's character? Oh, it's what you do and no one's watching. Like, that's the that's like the, the very trite, I don't know, it's just, it's an easy one right there. But that right there about not, you can't help where you, your station in life, where you're born, you have nothing to do with that. Oftentimes you can't help where you die, how you die. But those days in between, those that had goals to live those days as a good man. So I thought that's some, some great advice. And I think about that often. That's great. And that's great advice for the times we're in right now. I mean, it's just good. It's good. Um, yeah. okay. So this one's for you specifically. Um, if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself something, uh, what would that be? Ooh, 20 years. So what would 20 years be? So I would just be starting my time in the military. Uh, geez, just before nine 11, go back 20 years. What could I tell myself? Gosh, you know, I just tell myself, it's not like I tripped in. I mean, we're all going to trip and fall on the way. We're all going to, get, take those hits and get knocked down and, and get up and keep moving forward. So I, I've always done that, but I think I would say, Hey, it's not, what's important isn't just that you get up and move forward. It's how you do that. Um, the difference being, okay, you can get knocked down and stay down. Okay. We all know I'm going to get back up, keep moving forward. That's life, but there's different ways you can get back up and you can get back up with a good attitude that also uh, infects almost those people around you. Like they're going to watch you get knocked down. They're going to see how you get up. They're going to watch how you do that. Particularly kids uh, are going to watch and see how you do that. So how you do that, then that's the key right there. So you can do it in a way that impacts those around you and whether that's just a spouse or it's the spouse and three kids, or maybe it's the rest of your business after you take a business hit or whatever it may be, how you get back up and keep moving forward. You can do it. You, you get to choose how you're going to do that. Uh, yeah, you can choose to stay down too, but if you're getting back up, now you have another choice, how you're going to get back up and keep moving forward. So I think I would have told myself to think about that how rather than just to jump back up and get back after it. You know, the how you get back up and do that, a little more thought into that. That's what I tell myself. That's good. It's good. We're, we're often driven by emotion. So that's, that's, uh, that's great advice. The, the, the next one on the list is, um, what's one thing someone should do every day? Oh, one thing every day, um, you know, make someone's day. Um, I try to, I try not to miss an opportunity to make somebody's day. Um, and I think that really 
kind of was highlighted by my stepping into the social media type space, which I didn't have in the military, obviously. Um, and I stepped in, I looked at it beforehand for like a year, uh, just so I could study it a little bit. And then I stepped in with the publication of that, that first novel. And uh, then the reviews come in for the novels. And people put a lot of time, energy, and effort into to being negative. Um, and that's a choice that that they make. And even some of like bad reviews on Amazon, people write paragraphs on there, like really angry, mean, nasty things. Um, and that's all time that they haven't spent impacting someone in a positive way, encouraging somebody else. Like they chose to not do that over here because you only have a certain amount of bandwidth. You got to choose how you allocate it. So instead of uh, whether they liked, you know, let's say they, they hated it. So they could just hate it, put it aside and go do something good. But instead they took the time. And it's not just me. It's every right. author. Every anything that gets reviewed, go to that one star, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a book, a movie, whatever. Uh, they took the time to write like two very well thought out paragraphs that were just mean and nasty and cruel. Uh, so I try to, to never miss an opportunity to, to make somebody's day. Like if I don't like something, I just didn't like it. That's, that's fine. But uh, I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on it. But, uh, but if I get a chance to make somebody's day, which is why when people reach out on email or whatever else, like I try to get back to everybody. If I miss someone, then it's, uh, it was not, it was just because there's too much coming in and it just got missed somehow. But, uh, but I try to be encouraging. I try to answer all those questions. I try to be transparent about how we deal with, uh, with different things in our life or whatever else I'm getting asked a question about. Um, so I think that's it. You should never miss an opportunity to, to make somebody's day. Yeah. And I will tell you this, that has made an impact on me. The, your ability to do that, even when, we're at a huge trade show and there's a line of 30 people or 300 people waiting to talk to you. The, the ability for you to engage one-on-one -on -one is it's noticeable, not only to those people, but it's even noticeable by people looking over to you, seeing that that's, that's a difficult thing to do. I appreciate it. Yeah, I man. Appreciate it. It, really, that's the it truth. Takes, it does take some effort. Like you have to do, put, put some thought into it and you have to uh, kind of commit to doing that. But for me, I don't know another way. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's, it's noticed and it's not only noticed, like I said, that's industry wide. People know you for that. So that, that's something that I was just on the phone with Sig the other day. Um, Jason over there at Sig, their marketing director. And he said the same thing, just your ability to do that is you can tell you've put in the work to, oh, to, to perfect that. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it's very natural. It'd be very hard for me not to do it. Like I'd have to take the effort not to do it almost. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, just, yeah, try to, Try to do what little good I can while I'm here, you know? Yeah, well, you're doing it, man. So, uh, all right, here's here's, an, here's a couple more quick ones. Um, so what is an attribute every leader should seek to foster in themselves? I think it's I, doing whatever you need to do to make, make sure that you're good. Because you can make a mistake in that uh, you might be a certain way, but you haven't, it's not evident to those that you're leading. And what I mean by that is for me, it was very important that, um, my guys knew, uh, and they sense it too. So you can't fake this, but it, cause they'll, especially in the, the military, the E5 mafia will, will eat you alive, especially, um, if you're a, a senior enlisted or an, or an officer, but, uh, that I wanted those guys to be better leaders, better combat leaders, um, better tactical combat leaders that are just leaders in garrison, wherever else than I was for them. Like I wanted them to do the job better than I was able to do it for them. Um, and they recognize that um so maybe if you tell them maybe it doesn't ring true because they're like hmm, that's weird he's telling me this but they can recognize that and like it was very evident to my guys that that was the case like that was my goal um because when we're making the organization stronger 
moving forward. So for a leader to be able to, that's the art of leadership right there. Um, of course, there's a bunch of other things too, but for them to look at you and to know that, oh man, this guy is really invested in this. He wants, he's not out there to like do, prove that he's better than everybody else. He wants me to be the best I can be. And he wants me to be better than he's doing it. That's why he's sharing some of these things that he can do better with me. So I think for me, that was uh, being able to share with my guys. Like I wasn't the best at the admin side of the house. Um, that just wasn't, it's just not my thing. Um, so, but I shared how it can actually help you to be a lot better at the administrative side of the house to those guys. But whatever it is, that was just one example. But um, to, to share those failures, things you could have done better with them as you mentor them along, not just your successes or you know the group successes or whatever it may be, um, but how you messed up, how you could have done it better as a leader so that they in turn are better leaders going forward. That's great. All right. So I got two more. Um, so this one's good. This one's especially for the creatives and, and you can speak directly to this because of what you're doing on a daily basis, writing this fourth book. Um, and this is hard when you're passionate about art and, and everything else. So, uh, what is the best way to stay disciplined in your pursuit of your passions? Oh, this is so tough. So this is one that I'm, I'm struggling with because it, up to this point, and I, and still I feel this way, but I think I'm getting to a place where I can be more disciplined with my schedule. And by that, but I mean, like we're, as a startup, I felt that's what this really is. And it's startup. It's like a, starting a computer company in your garage or a coffee company in your garage or whatever it may be. Uh, I felt like I had to be so flexible to take advantage of emerging opportunities out there, just like I would on the battlefield. I'd look for, for gaps. I'd look for um, those emerging opportunities to then capitalize on different momentum here. And whatever, whatever that was, I felt that same way as a startup, which is what this really really is, um, which if you have a disciplined, super disciplined day, then maybe we wouldn't be doing this podcast and we wouldn't have done the one before. You know why? Oh, because that's my writing time or that's my this time. That's my return email time. I can't do a thing there. It's so regimented and structured, which might be a good way to, uh, to make the most effective use of your time. But as a startup, I felt like I had to be super flexible and be able to adapt. So if something comes up, answer is yes. Answer is yes. Like always the answer, yes, uh, as, I, as I started out. But now at this stage, I think it's time to like take that breath because there's so much input coming in, so many requests coming in um, that now I think it's that at that stage, like something's morphed over the last few months with the publication of this third novel with New York Times list and uh, the Pratt stuff or whatever, whatever it is, uh, that base of readers getting to a certain level and, and then engagement on social media and, and all the rest of it that going forward over the next few months uh six months to a year i'm gonna have to get more disciplined with my time like there's been a transition from startup to something that's now more established and segmenting my time and being disciplined with that time so that i know i get this four hour four and a half hour five hour writing block here and you know what it's in the schedule my computer's gonna do uh instant reply my my, my text is gonna do instant reply that says i'm in the bunker writing or whatever it is because uh, i have a hard time I, I do have a hard time saying no uh but if that's done for me i can utilize technology effectively that way so so it creates that barrier for that amount of time well now i can get more structured so that's a long way of saying it depends i think on what stage you're in as far as whatever profession it may be and at some points it's going to be maybe not advantageous to be so disciplined in your approach to whatever it is uh, because you're not at that stage yet. Uh, or uh, maybe the opposite is true. It all depends on, on you. But I think thinking about thinking that through uh, and realizing what stage you're at and what's important 
as far as investing time, energy, effort, resources, uh, that's what you need to, to figure out. So just identifying that instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be adaptable forever. Yeah. I'm going to say yes to everything forever. Well, maybe that's not what's the next six months. Maybe that's not the most effective way to use my time over the next six months. Or, or maybe it is. That's just like at the beginning, I'm going to be so disciplined. I'm going to say no to everything in here because I'm going to be doing whatever, sculpting, or I'm focused on you know what returning emails or whatever it is. Right. Well, maybe you're not at that stage yet. Maybe you need to be a little more adaptable right there, a little more flexible in order to take advantage of these emerging opportunities that come up because they might not be there. They might help get you to that stage. When you're on the road as much as us and you are in every scenario under the sun from freezing cold conditions to uber hot conditions in Death Valley, you want batteries that will perform for you. For us, it's core. It's the only option. And they have a new battery out called the Hypercore Neo. I'm going to have to read the bullet points on this thing because it's so crazy. But I promise you, we've used it in the field and it's transformed the game. It's less battery swap outs, more durable, more options than ever before. So it's TSA PreCheck, it's RFID, it's rubberized. It's got a USB so you can charge your phone, you can plug in accessories, you can do anything from there. It's got hibernation mode on it. It's a high current delivery, which is a new feature. And ultimately, it communicates with the camera. This battery is insane. Core has always taken care of us. We're ironclad and we're core driven. So this is my final one, and this is the one I asked you last time. So, the, and, and so it can, it could, if you say it's the same, it's the same. But this is, uh, we always ask our guests at the end of each one, is if you could issue um, one challenge that could um, impact your life, what would it be? A weak challenge that you could impact your life. And last time you uh, encouraged them to to read a specific books. A couple, you 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 had them make a list of books. Um, so this time, someone who's done so much, who does so much. Um, what would be that challenge that you would give someone this time around that to enact today for a week that could impact their life? Uh, so last time I gave a reading list, huh? Yeah. And interesting. One thing, gosh, once again, that's going to be so, so individual. I think it's, but I think because of our, our conversation, um, it's going to be make that decision to turn pro uh, in whatever that is. Uh, write it down, put it on a whiteboard over here. I have this whiteboard over here for ideas, mapping out the fourth novel. Another side is for the business side of the house, things I need to, to, to get done or ideas to keep building things out in the future. Um, but I think it would be, hey, quit, because you can make excuses like we just talked about, or you can study how to do something. And that excuse is, well, I'm still studying. I'm right. still around. I don't have my PhD yet. I can't, I can't teach yet. I don't have my PhD or whatever, whatever it is. I don't have, I don't have my MBA yet. I can't start a business. I don't have an MBA. Uh, Whatever, whatever that is, you can stop doing that now and you can write it down. So for me, yeah, I'm an author, bam. And I wrote, and, and before I was an author, uh, I was a writer and I'm both, but, uh, whatever you want to turn pro at, write that thing down to hold yourself accountable. Sometimes it's not good to tell your spouse. I don't, I, I don't know. We might not be good to tell your spouse because then they might actually hold you accountable yeah. and you'd be like, Hey, you're not the boss of me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but holding yourself and kind of writing it down, that whiteboard is probably the best way to go rather than a scrap paper that can get uh, get thrown away. So you're going to see it every time you you walk by and you see that and you have a, your business name up there or you have uh, the, the product that you're, you're developing or you have your, you know, whatever it is, author, writer, sculptor, painter, you know, filmmaker, whatever it is like. That helps you flip that switch. You want to be a filmmaker? That's what's going on that board. I want to be a filmmaker. So when people ask, that's fine. What do you film that you made in yet? Not yet. Working on it. Got my first one in the hopper. Boom, boom, boom. And there you now you're talking about film. Uh, yeah. Just like you're a filmmaker. Um, so it's really 
that right there, I would say. Uh, and so, yeah, for a week, well, keep it going longer than a week, but uh, but make that decision to turn pro in whatever that thing is. Don't wait for 10 years. Don't uh, read every book on writing, every book on sculpting, every book on filmmaking. Continue to study, obviously, be a student of your craft forever, but make that decision to turn pro in whatever field that is. I love it. I'm inspired, man. I am. And, and once again, like I said, I, I, I just, our whole team here loves watching. We, we've seen the behind the scenes work that you put in. We understand it and we watch it coming to fruition. And it's just been awesome, man. I mean, we are so pumped for you and we can't wait for what's to come. Awesome, man. Well, you guys are a huge part of that journey. I mean, I can't even imagine this journey without you guys. Uh, to, to be not just the trailers, but your friendship uh, and and the, the, the Eagle projects, you know, seeing you at shot, shake, you know, doing all that stuff. Yeah. Like I can't imagine this journey without you guys. So, uh, so thank you so much for the support. It means, uh, means the world. To me. Well, well, the, the, the feelings are mutual and uh, excited, man, new things, greater things. And we'll be, we'll be talking to you soon. Awesome. Let's do it. You guys take care. Thanks for listening to the Ironclad podcast. You can check us out more on Instagram at this is Ironclad or for more from the Ironclad content network, this is ironclad.com. See you there.